Welcome to Let It Grow Investing, the financial investing and small business podcast that is not run by a professional investor. I am Jeff, and thank you for stopping by. We're going to cover all the news you need to know to make sense of the market, helping you get invested, stay the course, and on your way to financial freedom. Welcome back to the show, guys. I am back for another episode here on Let It Grow Investing. We're going to call this one episode 101. And, uh, you know, we've got a lot of different stuff out there to talk about today. Uh, Ultimately, we're going to be looking at uh, the jobs report, uh, some history as to what has happened before in down markets or down months that then turn around and recover in the next month. We're going to look at some history there. Uh, we're going to look at, uh, you know, actually what we should be looking to buy and ultimately how to buy in this green market. I feel like a lot of us have forgotten. We've been buying through some red times and, uh, you know, maybe we're just a little out of touch with what we should be doing and how we should be doing it and that mindset around, uh, investing in a rising, uh, stock market. So, That's a a little bit what I got for you today. Obviously, we're going to talk investing challenge. We're going to talk about some different stuff as well. But uh, I did want to say, if you're looking to get started, there are always links in the description to help you out for uh, Webull, Crypto.com, E-Trade, and Binance. Uh, That's pretty much my standard uh, for that I do my investing with. So I like to share those links with you guys. And uh, you know, there's some different free stocks on Webull and some cash back on E-Trade, depending on how much you deposit. Uh, so there's some different perks with that also. Um, but with that being said, let's go ahead and uh, get right into it. So we had the jobs report come out on Friday. And, uh, you know, I had said that looking forward, one of my concerns is the uh, if unemployment were to spike, we might see a longer term recession. Uh, this one that we're in right now, I do think we're going to recover. But if jobs keep getting pushed down, that would be obviously another reason for a recession to rear its ugly head again, uh, possibly sometime in 2023. Now, for this report, the uh, we were looking for about 250,000 new jobs added. Uh, that means jobs that people are actually in and uh, getting paid now. So we were expecting 250,000 but it came in really, really hot. Now, over double, 528,000 jobs were added, which took the unemployment rate from 3.6% down to 3.5%. So that was looking pretty good. And before I was really reading into some of these numbers, I was thinking, okay, well, if companies that we know are laying off uh, some workers, we know that uh, some of the tech companies are really just staying with their core uh, engineers or developers, what, what have you. Maybe we're rolling out of some of those jobs and we're rolling into some underpaying jobs. Um, you know, I know the, the blue collar workers, the, uh, the landscapers like myself, that labor market has been really hard to fill. But uh, maybe that's where some of these people are rotating to. And I know they're, they are adding there, but the, the, the segments that are really being added to heavily right now were two that were notable was healthcare and leisure and hospitality. So leisure and hospitality, you know, you're going to look at all the uh, um, 
travel type sector. You're going to be looking at hotels, things like that, where people are coming back to these jobs in these industries that might have been neglected, you know, 24 months ago, roughly. And now we're kind of rolling back into some of these positions in healthcare. Hopefully some of this, uh, the nurse shortage and kind of the hospital staff shortage is kind of working itself out, possibly looking at these numbers. And I know some of those people may have been employed, uh, even for a, like a, a short term stint doing uh, travel jobs. I know there was a lot of jobs that were uh, nursing that you're moving around on short term contracts. Maybe these are getting back to more full time positions and some of that travel uh, nursing might be uh, wearing down. Maybe we're, we're back to more of a full time employment. So that's definitely good to see that we are adding that amount of jobs and, and double what we expected. Uh, in this last report. But uh, one spot that is still down is going to be that public sector. We're looking at uh, like government jobs, public education, teachers. There is still a massive shortage there. Uh, we are down about 597,000 jobs from where we need to be. And I think a lot of that is to do with a lot of the money that is in the private sector. A lot of people are you know, going to a private sector job, or if they were teaching and they, they found another opportunity, if, if their school wasn't a good fit for them through the pandemic, they went to another place and they haven't returned. So we're still watching those numbers. And ultimately, we want to keep an eye on this going forward. As I said, if some of these, uh, these higher paying jobs are just kind of getting uh, dwindled down and we're not seeing that much hiring in those type of uh, like professional type settings, we, we really want to keep an eye on that because that um, the weakening of the middle class would be a really big sign that we could be entering into a more long-term recession. So keep an eye on this jobs market. It is certainly something that could be more of a macro trend look, going forward that we really want to keep an eye on. But uh, so that's just kind of where we're at right now. And uh, I did want to look at some history. And uh, this one was actually from uh, Meet Kevin on YouTube. He's got all kinds of different um, different resources at his fingertips that I don't have. I know he has the uh, the Bloomberg portal, and I think he pays thousands a month for that. But uh, he shared some of these numbers. And this was in a, uh, a down market like what we had in June. We had a, a market that was down more than 7.5%. And then we followed in July with a rebound of more than 7.5%. So going back pre-World War II, if we had that a lot of times, the uh, the one month, three months, six months, and 12 months out, we're still going to be negative. It took a lot longer to rebound. Uh, you know, that's when we had the Great Depression, things like that, that were just more long-term, long-standing. The, the Fed wasn't getting in uh, involved and in trying to turn things around as much. But now dating back to the 70s, uh, I have five different times right now that they had a 7.5% uh, down in one month in the S&P and then the recovery times after those drops. Uh, and then going back to 70, uh, we did have the, the one month out, we were down another 5%. But ultimately, 12 months later, we had a 20% gain from... Uh, that seven and a half percent down month. Oh, uh, two a month out, we were six percent up. We had a slight drop three months out of down three percent, but then twelve months out, we were up nineteen percent. 
And then uh, March of 09, we were down seven and a half percent or more. And then we rebounded with a 9% gain in month one and finished uh, 12 months later, 47% up. Same thing in 2019. In January, we had uh, a 3% one month return. And then a year out after that, we had a 19% return. Uh, and now we're looking at uh, April of 2020. Everyone knows pandemic. We had a bad uh, March. That was at the lows. Ultimately, one month later, we had turned around 5%. And then 12 months later, we were up 44%. So some of the thinking here is, yes, we had this massive uh, decline uh, from the, the beginning of the year, really through May and uh, June. But uh, then July had this rebound of you know more than 7.5%. Now, does that mean that we are going to shoot to the new highs uh, within 12 months? If you're looking at history, it looks like it's a, a good possibility that we are going to break uh, above some of those lows. Just looking at what has happened before, uh, some of the numbers that we're saying, seeing from uh, unemployment, other, other factors out there could be pointing to a strong rally towards the end of the year. Now, I'm still watching unemployment going forward. We're still watching all this government spending, all the different things that we're looking to uh, have happen, really. But it is a comforting sign to see that uh, in the past 50 years, we have finished up every single time that the market has done this. Now, is this the same as all these other times? Um, that's hard to say. I don't really think that it's exactly the same, but history often rhymes. Uh, so in a similar situation, could we uh, could we have sold off too much? I, I think a lot of ways that we did. You know, we saw companies like PayPal that was, uh, you know, where were we? We were uh, well above 200. And then we ultimately dropped down to low 70s, even the high 60s. Uh, yeah, on PayPal, we were what? At 296 last uh, September. And if you would have told me we would got under 200, I'd say, man, that is a steal. That is a buy. 150, I would have said, you know, that's even better. Great. Buy more. And then under 100 was just unheard of. There's no way PayPal was going to under 100. But then ultimately, we settled down in that uh, $67 range on June 30th. Now, we've had uh, some different stuff happen since then with Elliott Management taking a stake and some buybacks and some decent numbers. And we're at 95. And this is kind of where uh, the market is now. Okay, We were used to really buying into a red market. We didn't want to buy on any green days because we knew it was going to go worse. We knew it was going to turn red and everyone was only buying into weakness because that's all we were used to. And anytime there was a small blip of green, the next day we were just met with more selling, just more selling. We were watching the VIX. You know, I said, if the VIX gets up into that 40 range, that's when uh, you want to ultimately be buying. And then if it gets down to 20, you want to be selling. I remember saying that clearly. And uh, if that, you know, that VIX was floating around that 30 to 35 number, and uh, that was very fearful. And the higher it got, you know, the, the rougher things were getting. But then when it came back down, uh, a lot of people were uh, going to be doing the opposite. So now with uh, with these numbers now, where do we really want to buy? You know, it's it's really hard to think 
Uh, you know, you missed a 30, 40% run and some of these different names. And, you know, do I really want to buy now? We're, we're so used to looking at these numbers like this can't last. You know, nothing that we're seeing here in PayPal at 95 is going to going to stand. You know, everything's going to fall apart again. Right. And, you know, it certainly may. It, it might. But uh, if history repeats itself, we're going to be better off in 12 months. So what am I really saying here? I think a lot of it is if you see that there's value in a name now, you need to tiptoe into some different positions and start building. Um, they could certainly keep running up, especially looking at history. Are there fears that we all have? Yeah. Yeah. There's certainly fears. There's problems with, uh, all types of, you know, Chinese problems, Ukraine problems, unemployment problems, inflation, you name it, it's still out there. But if we do get a handle on that, or if any one of these things starts getting solved, I do think that the market's moving higher. So you certainly want to buy uh, the stocks that you have a high conviction in that are solid names at a deep discount while you have the time. And even with PayPal being up to 95, I still think when you look back over the last year and you see where it came from, is it ultimately going to get back to 295 in, in a few months? I don't think so. But uh, I do think that it's going back up. I do think that it's a stock that is undervalued for what it is at this point in time. I, I really do. Uh, I know a lot of other people do. Some people, it might not be the stock for you, but um, you really want to add during this period of weakness and make sure that you're not missing these opportunities. Now, if a stock like PayPal drops back down to 70 after you add, I, I again, still think that it's a buy at that price point. So I would go ahead and dollar cost average or set some money aside to do some more buying on any kind of major dips. Uh, set alerts for 10, 15, 20% down, but kind of build these positions while you have the time and don't really think, oh man, I missed this 30% run. Make sure you get it before it goes and doubles again. Because if it's fairly valued at 180 to 200, I would still be buying at $95. That's, that's just my general idea. If I think this is a $200 stock based on future growth, based on some different reports, uh, Motley Fool, who I normally don't listen to, says it's a top 10 stock in the uh, S&P in the next uh, eight years by 2030, they said it's a, a top 10 name. And, you know, for that being said, if it's valued at, uh, what's the valuation on market cap? Uh, 110 billion. I think it's definitely valued, valued low at 110 billion when you see some of these other companies trending a lot higher. And, uh, I think PayPal certainly got a lot of room to grow. Um, yeah, SoFi is valued a lot less. Let's con compare it to Visa, though. Visa is valued at $446 billion. Uh, I think PayPal could at least grow into half of that, which would double the stock price from here. Uh, so it, even if it went double and went up to uh, about 190 I still think that there's a lot of room for a company like PayPal to grow. And again, right space, right time, and a lot of other factors. So when you look at it like that and you see some different stocks at a good valuation, granted you missed some of that run, I would go ahead and dollar cost average into a position that I'm comfortable with, high conviction, 
uh, for a long-term gain. Is it going to be a trading position? For me, not necessarily. This is not you know, necessarily trading advice. I think if you wanted to be a trader, you were certainly buying off of those lows. And if it happens again and it gets to some of these lows that we already set, I would think that would be a great spot to add even heavier. But know that, you know, I don't think the the run is over. I don't think long term that we're going to be upset if we buy a stock at $90 when we truthfully think it's valued at $190. So just take all that into account, even though that we may have missed some of this rally understand that uh, we could certainly have some more gains in some of these high conviction names and some of these high flyers, uh, even in some of the, the, in the solid blue cap or blue chip stocks, understand that there's still value out there and a lot of dividend names and a lot of growth names. So that's what I got on that. We're going to take a quick break. I will be right back and we'll get into some other news. So stick around. All right, guys, we are back here on the show and uh, just was doing some research. It took me a good bit longer than I anticipated to come up with these stocks for the investing challenge today. And uh, some of that was narrowing down what uh, I wanted to buy. Some of it was trying to get a conversation around some stuff that we haven't really talked about before. Uh, but with that being said, uh, you know, I do put a lot of time into the show here. So if you could go ahead and uh, like, subscribe, and make sure you are sharing with some other uh, investors or people looking to get started. I would greatly appreciate that. And it does uh, mean the world to me that you guys are here and that you are listening to all the market news and insight that I've got for you. And uh, with that being said, uh, as I say in every episode, I am not a financial advisor. And this is simply just some insight and some things that I'm seeing out there and uh, trying to share my a uh, little bit of the knowledge that I have on the uh, the market and ultimately just some positive vibes as to what we're doing every week. And uh, this past week, I did do a little bit of selling and uh, a little bit of buying to, to go ahead with that. Now, this stock is one that uh, I'm still very bullish in. And I've mentioned it before. It's been on a tear and I even mentioned that I'd be buying some more. So why did I sell? Um, well, really, it just got too hot for me. And I sold about 10% of it. This one had just run up too much. Okay, normally I don't really share my position sizes. Um, I guess that today is going to be that the day that it changes. Uh, so... When I'm looking at this one, this one was end phase. I'll just get right to it. Uh, I sold a little bit of end phase. Now, why did I sell end phase? Well, um, it really just got too hot. It's up 111% for me still. And as I said, I still have uh, 70 shares of this one. I still have about $21,000 of end phase. So, uh, I had sold about, uh, I had sold seven shares. That's what, exactly what I sold was seven shares. And it's more or less a rebalance. This one had, uh, it's currently sitting at 4.45% of my portfolio. Um, and really it was, I, I don't even know the exact percent of my portfolio when I had sold it. But uh, that number was getting a little too hot for really the the balance of what I wanted. I had started with about uh, probably right around 10 to 10.5 in this position. 
and I am up $11,000 on my end phase stake. So ultimately, this one just needed to be trimmed as I really didn't want it to be a 5% position in my portfolio. It had been rolling up really nicely. But uh, let's just see, where are we at here when we are looking at percent of portfolio and then where this one comes in. So this is still in third. I didn't really want it to be third. It just grew to third quicker than I really anticipated. So Tesla's number one still, Apple's number two, Enphase became number three. And how long have I had this one? Um, these buy orders are all out of whack. But uh, the latest one I'm seeing right now is uh, from April of 21. So I did go ahead and sell some. Uh, so it should be over a year that I've held these shares. So I shouldn't get short-term capital gains on the ones that I sold. It should be more that long-term bracket from the uh, first in, first out sale that I have. So it sells off ones that have been in my portfolio the longest, regardless of uh, gain or loss. So it, it will be a, uh, a taxable sale. But uh, that being said, I wanted to rebalance. Uh, I did go ahead and buy some more Google as I wanted to add to that Google position. I'm still very bullish on Google. Uh, I did add to some NVIDIA shares. Uh, I bought some more Altria shares. Uh, for that 8% dividend, I still wanted to add to that. Uh, so Altria, yep, 8.14% current yield on that. Uh, so I did just a little bit of rebalance there. And uh, like I said, Enphase, great stock, great company, and just one that had run too much for my liking. So I didn't want to be a pig. I wanted to sell a little bit, take some of those gains, reinvest it, rebalance a little bit, um, and that being said, it's probably still a little bit larger than where I want it. Uh, you know, right after that, I've got Amazon, Microsoft, Google, AbbVie, uh, United Health are still in that, uh, those top spots. I still like those for a lot of the safety and growth that they have. Enphase, uh, I'm going to probably set a stop loss here somewhere in that 280 range for some more shares. I don't really want to get beat on these, so I'm going to protect this investment and uh, maybe do some trimming if it does drop. As I said, if it gets back down into the 100s, I'm buying more. Low 200s, I'm probably buying more. I just do not want to see this uh, position evaporate as we know that it's gone uh, pretty volatile in some of these uh, sell-off cycles that it's had. It's... Uh, it's been one that's run up really quick and then it'll drop back down. So I just wanted to take advantage of that. Um, so that's what I've been doing. been doing a, a little bit of buying and uh, more or less trying to sit on my hands. I didn't really want to get into too much with a lot of the volatility out there. Uh, so looking to buy some of these positions that ultimately I really just wanted to add to the, the share count and those. And kind of dollar cost average my way into some more Google, some more NVIDIA. Those are newer positions for me. And I bought Google in the pandemic. And NVIDIA, I really started adding to this year after we got beat in the investing challenge, which is over there on Facebook, Let It Grow Investing page. We uh, do a weekly poll as to what we're going to be buying. 
Uh, I got beat in the uh, investing challenge in NVIDIA, so I went ahead and started a position in my brokerage once those numbers came down, and I'm still adding to those as well. Uh, so that being said, let's go ahead and get into the investing challenge. Uh, week 32 is ending. We've got uh, five different names that we always have, always five names every week. And uh, those names for week 32 were uh, Broadcom, tickers AVGO, MasterCard, ticker was MA, PayPal, ticker was PYPL, uh, ChargePoint, ticker was CHPT, and then the winner, uh, which is going to be Google, G-O-O-G-L. So we are going to be adding Google in the investing challenge as well. So thank you guys for voting. And now for week 33, I wanted to go a different route. And uh, some of these are, are names that had reported recently. Some had been, um, you know, definitely good commentary around them. Ones that I think should do well going forward for us. And just some different names that I thought might do uh, some, some good movements for you in your portfolio, give you some dividends. And uh, let me double check this one. I believe they are all REITs, but uh, let me make sure that. Um, yeah, real estate investment trust. So all five of them are going to be REITs this week. And here we go. So number one is going to be Simon Property Group. Now, this one is a mall operator, premium properties. And yes, some people have been leaving the mall. Some of the mall positions have been a, a little bit um, tougher, but this one has a very high uh, occupancy rate and they have been able to raise their rates and keep their, uh, their properties uh, tip top shape. And that one is Simon Property Group. So SPG is... Uh, Company number one for the week. So this one is a 6.38% dividend. So it's a high paying uh, REIT that, uh, you know, they have a structure where they have to pay out uh, more than 90% of their um, income in the way of dividends. So that is going to be uh, number one, Simon Property Group. Number two is going to be a warehouse operator and one that got sold off when uh, Amazon was having some uh, some warehouse problems. They were saying that they weren't going to keep as much. They were trying to downsize some of the things that they have. Uh, but that stake was only about 2% of uh, their business of Amazon. And they are still you know, really blowing the lights out as to how their warehouse business is going. And that company is Prologis. Uh, ticker is PLD. And, you know, I was listening to an interview with them as well, and they were saying that uh, business is really growing. A lot of companies had overordered. They still need all this warehouse space. And, uh, you know, they were looking for a lot of growth outside of their Amazon business as well. And even with their Amazon business was still strong, but a, a lot of new customers that they were looking to build more warehouse space for. So, Prologis, uh, I believe this one is a dividend aristocrat, meaning that they have had, uh, I believe, 50 years of raised dividends. And, uh, you know, so this one is paying out about 2.42%, but it is one that is growing. Uh, that stock price continues to, uh, to grow pretty comfortably. Uh, the five year is a pretty nice chart. It did run up in um, 
December of 21, and it had fallen on some of that Amazon news. So I am trying to take uh, a little bit advantage of that. It is trading closer to the low uh, than the high, the, the yearly high being 174 back in April, and then the yearly low uh, was 106 in June. So we had a, a rapid drop, which I think was a little bit overblown, but we are trading at 130, right around 130 right now. So this is one that I do think uh, is in a different, uh, decent buy zone. The uh, the PE is a 26. We normally look at free cash flow, but I'm just looking at the numbers that I have in front of me. Uh, the beta is a one, and uh, so it's not going to be as risky as uh, some other ones. It's going to be right in line with the S&P, and uh, one that I think should do well with some of the growth that they are looking to add within the next couple of years here. Uh, so then ticker number three is going to be MPW, and that's uh, Medical Properties Trust. And this one is also a REIT, and it is trading at a PE of eight times, a beta of 0.7, a quarterly dividend of 7.25%. So a very healthy dividend. You're going to be investing in medical properties that uh, are all around the U.S., I believe is the main focus. Let's take a look here. Um, doo -doo -doo. It doesn't, yep, yeah. U.S., Europe, Australia, and South America. So they are worldwide. 438 properties leased or loaned to 53 different operators. And uh, one that should serve you well. It uh, did have a decent quarter, but traded down on that news. Uh, the revs came in in line. Uh, they had 7% uh, growth and per share uh, free cash flow, uh, net income of 32 cents per share, free cash flow of 46 cents per share, and uh, came in a penny better than the consensus of uh, 45 cents per share. So they're growing. They are in a good area as far as I'm concerned in that healthcare business and uh, one that is going to be able to raise those rents to their uh, their lease properties. And uh, you're going to get a 7.25% dividend for holding this one. Uh, analyst research, what do we got on that? Currently about 17.9% of upside. So uh, one that I think you're buying in a decent price point, you've got some upside, plus that's backed with that 7.25% dividend. Uh, one that's going to be very safe, less... Uh, than one on the beta. So one that I think we could comfortably add to and one that would survive any recession as these uh, medical properties are always going to be needed regardless of what the economy is doing. So uh, MPW number three on the list. And uh, another option that's going to be similar in that medical property space is going to be ticker VTR, Ventus, uh, incorporated. And this one has a much higher PE, what we normally don't look at that on REITs. We're going to be looking at uh, the free cash flow, uh, quarterly dividend about 3.5%, uh, recently missed on revenues, and that sent it a bit lower. And the, uh, the free cash flow was in line with where they wanted to be. So that's why I'm not so concerned about the PE basis. Uh, beta is a 0.6, so even less risky or less volatile than some of the other ones on the list. Uh, VTR is one that I think is going to do well 
uh, going forward from the standpoint of the business that they are in. And they are a REIT as well. And they are in the uh, healthcare and real estate type uh, realm. So they operate triple net lease properties where the tenants are going to pay all the different bills. It's going to be focused on senior living communities and uh, ones that are going to be located in the U.S. and Canada. And they have about 1,200 different properties. So one that I think should do well, again, a recession is not going to hurt them. They are going to have the properties. They are all leased out. And, uh, you know, even if we do have a hard recession, there is going to be the need for these type of facilities to operate and uh, continue to grow through, uh, you know, aging population, things like that. So I do think that uh, VTR Ventus could earn a spot in our portfolio uh, with that three and a half, three and a half percent dividend at that low beta and uh, some growth drivers coming forward into uh, into the space. Now, ticker five. Now, this is the one that I wasn't too certain on if it was a REIT. I thought it was, and then I had to double back and make sure. Uh, but this one is going to be in the cannabis space. So they are going to be leasing these properties uh, to cannabis growers. And uh, the ticker here is IIPR. And that is uh, Innovative uh, INDL Properties Incorporated. So ticker, well, the, the dividend here is 7.1%. The beta is a little bit riskier as it's in a different realm of uh, real estate. So it is a 1.2 on the beta. The analyst research is showing that uh, there is some upside to this one. Currently trading at $94. The upside is about 88%. So it's a average price target of 178.25. Uh, it is a growing industry. We are waiting for some legalization on the federal level, but uh, one that should do well if that happens. And if not, I still think that you're getting this dividend of uh, 7.1% uh, to, to wait for that basically to happen. Now on streetinsider.com, I like to look on here to see what the dividend history is. There were no cuts on this dividend. Back in uh, 2017, they were paying out 15 cents a quarter. They raised it in the end of 17, 66% to a quarter. And then in 2018, they raised another 40% to 35 cents. Uh, and now today we've had four more raises and they are paying a uh, dollar a quarter. So they have had some massive dividend raises in this short uh, five-year timeline. And ultimately, one that I think could do even better if things are legalized. Oh, no, actually, right now they are paying a $1.75. So Street Insider is a bit lagged on some of these. The, the last one that they have was from 2019. But when I flip back over to E-Trade, you are currently getting $1.75 per share on this one. So uh, $94, 7% dividend. You are getting $1.75 per quarter. Um, so that one is actually paying really well for the, uh, for the property and the growth that you're getting with these hefty dividend raises that they've been uh, dishing out over the past five years. Uh, so those are the five I got for you this week. Simon Property, uh, Prologis, Medical Properties, Ventus Realty, and uh, IIPR Innovative Properties. Uh, so please get over there to the Let It Grow Investing on Facebook and get your votes in 
for what we will be buying next Monday. I try to buy after the market open around lunchtime every week. So this week I will be buying Google. We will be adding that tomorrow, $200 worth on the Webull portfolio where you can buy fractional shares. My link is in the description. Please go ahead, like, subscribe, and share this uh, podcast. It means the world to me that you're here. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for stopping by. And that's what I've got for you guys today. So take care and see you next time. As always, thanks for stopping by. Please make sure to like, subscribe by turning on the notification bell and sharing this podcast to help our community grow. Check the links in the description for offers on E-Trade, Binance, and Crypto.com to get your investing journey started. You can also help support the podcast on our Anchor.fm webpage. Until next time, let's get invested and let it grow.